Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. I hope what you saw in Peter's presentation is essentially he just holds out who Jesus is and calls people to believe, have faith, and repent. Listen, he doesn't do anything the rest of us cannot do. And this message, I mean, it seems good. It doesn't seem like a hundreds of people getting saved message, right? And yet, that's what the Lord does through it. And there's this recurring theme through the book of Acts that, that shows us that the power is not in kind of the skill of how the message is presented. The power is in the message itself. Open God, oh my soul. The gift of public speaking is a powerful one. People can be swayed to good just as they can to evil. Emotions can be stirred to anger, sorrow, or joy. But the gospel doesn't require this gift to be effective. Its power is in Christ. As Pastor Ricky continues our study of how Jesus has been at work since his ascension, he reminds us that the apostles, Peter included, were generally not well-educated or trained in the art of public speaking. Yet through them, God has had an impact on millions of people. Let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Acts chapter 3 as he continues his message, Jesus at work in the message. They could be wrapped up in all of these laws and miss the whole point, which is Jesus. And listen, I love that, and I think we can model that as well. There's so many times that people can get all of the trappings of religion and not get Jesus. Listen, I, I have it like on both sides of my family, the long religious history. On one side of my family, my granddad was from the South, and so like, going to church with him in the South. That's like good old time Southern religion. The rest of my family was Catholic, group Catholic. And so that's like two very different, very religious people. But in both groups, you find people that grow up and they do the things and yet there's no Jesus about them, right? They maybe go to church and do this and do that and then don't dance or whatever. And, and yet their faith has no saving power because it lacks faith in Jesus, and so that's what Peter does. He wants to make sure they don't get religion without Jesus. So what's the point of this and why should it encourage us today? Well, I hope what you saw in Peter's presentation is essentially he just holds out who Jesus is and calls people to believe, have faith, and repent. Listen, he doesn't do anything the rest of us cannot do. And this message, I mean, it seems good. It doesn't seem like a hundreds of people getting saved message, right? And yet, that's what the Lord does through it. And there's this recurring theme through the book of Acts that, that shows us that the power is not in kind of the skill of how the message is presented. The power is in the message itself. Listen, there's this bookend that kind of closes multiple sections of Acts where Luke will end a section by saying something like, and the word went forth and multiplied. Listen to this, Acts 6, 7, and the word of God continued to increase. Acts 12, 24, but the word of God continued to increase. Acts 13, 49, and the word of God was spreading throughout the whole region. Acts 19, 20, the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily, right? Who's, who's Luke highlighting or what is Luke highlighting in, in these repeated phrases? He's showing, listen, the power is in the message. It's not as though they finally got their act together and figured out the perfect five-point gospel presentation. The power is in the message itself. The word is the, is the thing doing the work. The word is what's increasing. The word is what's prevailing. And in a similar way, guys, when we share the gospel, when we finally get to that point where we're talking about Jesus, 
I don't know about you, but I'm always like, this feels so weak and inadequate. You have like all of these things going on in your life and all I have is to offer you is this message of a guy who lived and died 2,000 years ago. And yet what Acts is telling us, it is through that simple, clear message about Jesus that the word of God does the work. Romans 1.16, Paul says this, and I love this. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Listen, friends, it should both humble us and give us confidence. Humble us, meaning, listen, we're not the saviors here. It's not our amazing presentation that's gonna save people, but it should give us confidence knowing we can do this. We can talk a lot about Jesus. We can make him clear and trust that the word of God will do the work of God. All right, part two, messengers filled with power. Next couple sections will be a bit briefer. Messengers filled with power. So we turn to chapter four now, and we see at the beginning of chapter four, And as they were speaking to the people, the priests of the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But, I love this, but many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. So listen, here's, here's what's great about this section. The Sadducees, whom... Maybe you don't know who the Sadducees are. A lot of times, if you've been through the Gospels, you know the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the guys that, that were very kind of punctilious in their, um, their following of the law and the, the laws of Moses. They added laws to, and they added interpretations to those laws. And so they, they were kind of misguided in the way that they were trying to achieve um, acceptance by God. But they were the, they were the people's uh, religious leaders. Like, out among the people, they were the popular guys. Now, these people, the Sadducees, are the powerful people in the systems of power in Jerusalem, right? So that the, they were set up as the religious leaders of the Jewish people, propped up uh, by the other leaders, uh, like the Romans. And so these guys were not popular with the people. These were the well-to-do, the aristocrats. They collaborated with the Roman leaders. In general, they loved power more than truth, and their main concern was staying in power and maintaining their wealth and authority. And so what I love here is that, and also they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. Which, so I love that they're greatly annoyed because one, these yokels, Peter and John, are daring to tell people anything, right? Like, I can't believe, these people? No way, you're not gonna listen to those guys. And two, they were proclaiming something that they didn't even believe in. And then they're, listen, they, and then they so miss the miracle, right? You'd think that, oh my gosh, in the temple, a miracle happened. They come down, they're like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? And so they take Peter and John and the crippled guy to jail, right? I mean, he just, he's like jumping and he's like, yeah, like, and then he gets sent to jail right away. And I, I feel bad for the poor guy, but um, it gives you a picture of who the Sadducees are. And so the next morning, here's the scene. The council is there. And, and I'm not gonna read all of this. I'm gonna kind of summarize it. But the high priest comes in, the high priestly family comes in, and these people would have these elaborate vestments and, and kind of robes, and they would have this air of authority. And then all the council would file in, and they'd be very serious. And these, listen, these are the most educated people of the day, okay? These are the, the smartest guys probably in ancient Jerusalem. They're all gathered, and in the middle are two former blue-collar fishermen, who they're not dressed the way everybody else is. I mean, they're probably wearing the modern day equivalent of like overalls, 
right? So you can imagine there's like a Senate hearing and then there's two guys in overalls. That's like Peter and John and a beggar who probably didn't have the best clothes, may have been a few uh, weeks and or years since he'd had a bath. And so they're right there. And you think, listen, this is what I think. When I get to this part, I think Peter is going to break. Verse seven, when they'd set them in their midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Now, if you know anything about Peter's history, he doesn't respond real well to a lot of pressure. Um, in Acts 2, like the Holy Spirit comes and he stands up and proclaims the gospel, but no one's opposing him. And then the miracle happens and he stands up and proclaims the gospel, but nobody's opposing him. The last time somebody opposed him was when Jesus was betrayed and initially he was all gung-ho, but then the reality of the situation dawns on him and he denies even knowing Jesus. He's so afraid for his own life. So you imagine this guy here and what we read is verse seven. By what power name do you do this? Verse eight, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them. See, that's the difference, right? The difference between coward Peter and what Peter is about to do is not that Peter looked inside himself and found some secret well of courage, right? Sometimes in our culture, I think we just, we have this view of like, listen, if you need more courage, just keep digging deeper. It's down there underneath, underneath everything. I don't know about you, but there have been times I have tried to dig down deep under everything and find my secret well of courage or confidence or whatever, and it is not there, right? You get to the end of the road and the, it's like, no, that's it. It's closed. That's all you got. And yet Peter here, he does, he does find a source of strength that's far deeper and far bigger than any he's ever known. And the difference is not that he found his courage. The difference is the Holy Spirit and the power of God. And he goes on to proclaim with boldness and clarity, even more bluntness and even more Jesus than last time, Verse 10, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. Verse 12, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And listen to this, verse 13. And they perceived, when they saw Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated, common men. They were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Listen, there's, a, there's two miracles in this section of scripture. The first miracle is that this lame man goes from lameness to walking in full health. The second miracle is that the former coward becomes a lion in the power of God. And, and the, the difference in both cases is the power of God through the Holy Spirit. Listen, this is such good news, guys. <laughs> if you step back and think about this, listen, the first section the message advances in the power of God. Second section, the messengers are made bold to declare the message by the power of God. Listen, on both sides, God has us covered. Both the message and the messengers, the difference with, with both of them is that the power of God works through them. Now listen, an important qualification, I'm not saying that you should not try to you know, learn to articulate the gospel clearly you should absolutely do that. In fact, when new people join the church, we ask them, hey, how would you tell me the gospel if I didn't know the gospel? We wanna make sure people can do that. It doesn't mean you shouldn't study and learn to like break down things and, and do apologetics to some degree. But listen, that can never be our confidence. 
like every few years, the church gets like a new presentation of the gospel. Like, no, present it in three points. No, present it in five points. No, it's laws. No, it's this. No, no, like, no, no, no. It's Jesus, right? It's Jesus, who he is, that he lived, died, and rose again, and what that means for our lives. And that's, that's where the power lies. And so the council cannot do anything. And so they essentially tell Peter and John, okay, well, I know you healed this man without a permit, but we'll let you off with just a warning. <laughs> Peter replies to them in verse 20. You think just, okay, Peter, thank, just say thank you and move on. Peter, verse 20, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. You're like, okay, Peter. All right, that's awesome. I love that. So here's the point. God's power makes the difference in both the message and the messengers. Now we should applaud their courage. We should remember the fact that, that Peter has learned from Jesus about how to proclaim the Messiah but we should recognize that at the end of the day, the power is God's, not ours. Part three, the church filled with power. Verse 23, when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Now, pause there. It's one thing for Peter the apostle to be brave, Okay, so I mean, in, miraculous, right? He goes from coward to lion in the space of a few weeks because of the power of the spirit. But now he's coming back to the church, okay? The, these guys aren't Peter. They haven't spent, they haven't all spent three years plus with Jesus, seen him raise the dead, all that stuff. These are moms of small kids. These are old men. These are guys who are worried about keeping their jobs. These are people who days earlier or weeks earlier weren't even following Jesus and are just trying to figure out what this means. And now what the report Peter is bringing back is, listen, the council, the rulers, the people who can throw us into jail and beat us up and get us killed, those people who can take away our jobs and isolate us and alienate us from all of our friends, those people are saying, if you continue to speak about the name of Jesus, bad stuff is gonna happen to you. Now listen, it's one thing for Peter to be bold and have courage and like, yeah, he's already given up the fishing business, right? He sold that boat a long time ago. And so he's all in. But listen, these are people that, that are working jobs. These are the normal, quote unquote, people of the church. And listen, I, I'm gonna show you the prayer that they pray in a second, but I wanna skip to the end because at the very end of this section, verse 31 says, they continue to speak the word of God with all boldness. So they go from hearing this threat, from this threat coming against them to then responding with boldness. So how do they go from kind of fear initially to boldness? That's what this section is about. And listen, for all of us, we should be asking the same thing. Okay, I believe, Lord, that the power is in the message. I believe that, that the pow your power is in the messengers, but, but how do I get there, you know? Like, how do I get from, okay, I believe it, but how do I get there? We do what the early church does, verse 24. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. They pray. The reflex of the early church was that when they felt their inadequacy, when they felt, felt fearful, when they were threatened, their reflex response was to pray. Listen, I'm all about strategies. I love strategies. But they don't come out with a whiteboard and chalk out a strategy. They go to prayer. And let's look at how they prayed because I think it can inform us as well. They start like this. Sovereign Lord who made the earth, the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, they start out, listen, they start out not praying for their need. Like, there's nothing about, hey, we're getting threatened. No, they start out with reminding themselves of who God is. They put 
the power of the religious council, this council into perspective by looking again at the power of a sovereign God. He says, listen, they, they pray, Lord, you are truly sovereign. Verse 25, who through the mouth of our father, David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. Listen, so they acknowledge the opposition, but verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. They see the threat of these rulers. They say, listen, somebody rules over these rulers and these rulers, while they rage against the purposes of God, can only advance the purposes of God. That's how sovereign God is. God is so sovereign. God is so powerful that even their most wicked, evil intentions against God and his purposes only serve to advance the purposes of God. You feel some courage come into your heart there? You're like, yeah, that's right. Verse 29, and now, Lord, this is their prayer. They finally get to it in verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. This is an extraordinary prayer request. I would have prayed, Lord, remove the threat and the danger. Lord, you know, Lord, do this, Lord, do that. Lord, help them all go blind, you know, like whatever. They basically say, listen, Lord, you've got that. You've got them. We're gonna focus on us. Give us boldness to speak about you. And verse 30, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So they ask, listen, Lord, help us to do what you have called us to do and you do what only you can do. So they see, listen, the message advances in the power of God. The messengers advance in the power of God. But Lord, we're asking for it. We're asking for you to give us boldness to do what you've called us to do and what you've empowered us to do. Help us to want to do it and to do it. Right? I, love, I love the honesty here because aren't there all times where it's like, okay, I know the power is in the gospel. I know he will empower me. But you just, it's like, how do you get there? This passage says with prayer. We can declare and believe Gospel is powerful and he works through imperfect people, but our hearts have to engage with that. And I think the way they engage is by praying, acknowledging God's sovereignty and asking for his help. Listen, we, we as a church want to be a church committed to the priority of prayer because a praying church is a powerful church. I think some ways we as elders in leading the church, we've not served the church as well as we could have by not making this as bold a priority as it should be in the life of the church. I don't mean we haven't prayed at all. We did pray today several times. But what I mean is we wanna be about this priority. We wanna lean into this priority because we are convinced we need the Spirit's help. We are confident that when we pray, God will answer. Okay, so a lot has happened in this passage. We see Jesus' power was at work through the words of the church. When they proclaimed that Jesus' power went with them. I wanna just remind all of us. <laughs> Sometimes we're like, oh, I know I need to do this, but I can't do it. I wanna remind all of us that we are here because imperfect people delivered an imperfect gospel presentation to us at some point in our lives right? Maybe somebody got saved through like a perfect kind of beautiful, fluid gospel presentation. Most of the people that I know in our church were saved. Uh, one person was saved because at a difficult time, a friend read 
one Bible verse and, the, and God worked through that. Uh, another person in our church was saved while they were on drugs because they remembered truth that they had heard before in church. Some people were saved with their parents stumbling through a gospel presentation for the millionth time when they were growing up. Somebody in our church, I would say who, it was saved because they read like a fiction book where the, there wasn't even a complete gospel presentation and somehow there was like a Bible verse and God like worked through it to save them. And so look, it should give us confidence that we are here because God used imperfect people and imperfect presentations to open our eyes. Charles Spurgeon is one of the greatest preachers probably in, in world history, he was saved because he accidentally came into a church where an untrained man was preaching. The minister did not come that morning. He was, this is what he writes in his memoir. The minister did not come that morning. He was snowed up, I suppose. At last, a very thin looking man, a shoemaker or a tailor or something of that sort, went up into the pulpit to preach. Now, it is well that preachers should be instructed, but this man was really stupid. That's what it says in his memoir. I don't know if that meant something different a long time ago, but he goes on. He was obliged to stick to his text for the simple reason that he had little else to say. The text was Isaiah 45, 22, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. He continues, when he had managed to spin out about 10 minutes or so, he was at the end of his tether. And I saw at once the way of salvation. When I heard that word, look, what a charming word it seemed to me. Oh, I looked until I could almost have looked my eyes away. There and then the cloud was gone. The darkness had rolled away. At that moment, I saw the sun and I could have risen that instant and sung with the most enthusiastic of them of the precious blood of Christ and the simple faith which looks alone to him. I love the beautiful irony of this, in that this man, he's probably one of the most published people in the English language. God used him to, to save thousands of people. And you know how he was saved? He was saved because some tinker or tailor or something of that sort stood up and read a Bible verse over and over for 10 minutes. And if God could use that man, God can use us. If you don't know Jesus, this offer is still on the table. If you've gone through and you're like, man, maybe you've had some religion in the past, but you don't have Jesus. Maybe you've tried to do better and try harder a few times in your life and it hasn't worked. Listen, this is still true. Look unto Christ, the one who can blot out your sins, the one who offers refreshment to your bones. Look unto him, turn, repent, acknowledge your sin, acknowledge Jesus and be Saved. Hope in God, oh my soul, He is strong and He is strong to save. Hope in God, He's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. Thanks for tuning in today to Better News Radio. Pastor Ricky has been sharing the next part of Jesus' ministry, the formation and expansion of the church that became what you know today. The early church faced many challenges and even found themselves in life and death situations. They never stopped sharing the gospel though, and their continued struggle wasn't wasted. Jesus did amazing things through these faithful men and women. 
Jesus never stops ministering. And now, He's ministering through you. We're so glad that you tuned in today for Better News Radio. If you'd like to listen to this message again, you can find it at betternewsradio.com. You'll find a library of our past teachings from Pastor Ricky and even be able to subscribe to our podcast. We'd like to invite you to take a few minutes and watch Pastor Ricky's welcome video as well. This video takes a look at the world in the light of truth and explains why the gospel message is such great news. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know that we're praying for you with each new edition of Better News Radio. If you ever have a specific request you'd like us to take before the Lord, feel free to give us a call. Our number is 915-562-7100. That number again is 915-562-7100. We're honored to be able to bless our listeners in this way. Join us next time to continue digging into what Jesus did next with Pastor Ricky, right here on Better News Radio. Open God, oh my soul.